Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Marianne Harris. Welcome to The Rockstar and The Nanny, the new podcast from the true crime series New Idea Investigates. Some listeners may find some of the content in this podcast distressing. Penny Hill had left her home in country Narrabri to start her first job as a nanny looking after the three small children of Cole Bajant, former Aussie rock star with the band Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. And three days later, she was dead. This is the work of a bad man. A bad man's done this. I never thought I would go 27 years and still not know. Who would protect a mongrel like that? And the pain hasn't gone away. Please help us. I miss and that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You sit down mother and to mother and tell another mother what may have happened to her daughter. I feel a bit of a failure because I didn't save her. You never give up hope. You believe she could have known her killer? Oh, I've without a doubt. Did you kill Penny Hill? It was 8am on July the 8th, 1991. School teacher Susan Brown was driving on a wet and cold wintry morning in the small New South Wales town of Coola when she spotted something on the side of the road. As she pulled up and took a closer look, she realised it was a girl, slumped against the gate of a large rural property. The no-nonsense science teacher's first thought as she jumped out of the car and ran to her aid was that the young woman had fallen off a horse or been in a car accident. But as she stood there waiting in the freezing cold, she knew in her heart that what she was witnessing was no accident. This is the work of a bad man. A bad man's done this. The tiny northwest town of Kula is in shock tonight after the brutal bashing of a young woman. 20-year-old Penny Hill was dumped and left for dead by the road outside town. Just three days earlier, the smiling, bubbly Penny had left her home in country Narrabri to start her first job as a nanny, looking after the three small children of Cole Bajant, former Aussie rock star with the band Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Penny had just started settling into a new life and a job at Kula. Originally from Narrabri, she was working as a nanny at the Blackstump Motel. Locals say she was last seen on Sunday night. A motorist found her lying unconscious alongside the Kular Casillas Road and raised the alarm. I got no distance out of town and, and I could see this this person lying um, beside a gate. Um, about, I suppose, about 12 metres or so off the road and she had blood on her face and very, very still. 
And so I stopped the car straight away and turned around and put my hazard lights on. And in those days, there was no mobile phones. But I did have a UHF radio and I got straight on to Binia Motors, which was the local garage, and I called um, David Horn because I knew that he um, he would get the ambulance and that. And I just, you know, because he had a phone there and they always monitored their UHF. And I just called him and said, you know, there's someone hurt here beside the road. Get an ambulance and, and you know, a doctor. I called all of that before I even went over to Penny and then when I went over to her, I could see that she was in a really bad way. And I, I uh, it was cold. It was a really cold morning. And um, I took my, um, I had a jumper and a, a, I had a cardigan, it was, and a coat. And um, under that, I had a really thin little blouse. And I took the, the coat and the cardigan off and warm from my body and put them on her to try and, I guess, I guess put my life into her to to warm her up. But I could, you know, I, I could see she was in a very, very bad way. When you saw her lying by the side of the road, Susan, were you surprised, given her injuries, were you surprised when you found that she was still breathing? Yes, because at first I thought she was, when I called um, David Horn, I thought she was dead. And then... Um, you know, I thought she'd been hit by a truck or a car or something. And then as I walked over to her, she moved her shoulder a little bit, you know, like a little shudder, and I realised she was still alive. Do you remember what you thought then? Oh, yeah, hang on, just hang on. We'll, you know, we're getting help. Hang on, help's coming. And I think I even said that to her several times. Do you remember talking to her, trying to will her to... Keep, yeah, I, I just kept together. saying to her, help, help's on its way, help's, on it, help's coming. It seemed like ages before anyone came. And while I was standing there, I was trying to think what's happened and nothing made sense. I thought, she's fallen off, you've fallen out of a truck, you know. Someone's mm. pushed her out of a truck or she's fallen out of a truck. Mm. But she wasn't dishevelled. Her, her clothes hadn't been dishevelled at all. Um, I thought, oh, she's fallen off a horse. But no, she had Ugg boots on and her Ugg boots were clean. And just walking to where she was, it was that horrible black heavy clay and it was wet. And my shoes must have been, you know, three inches higher, caked in this mud just walking there. But her shoes were clean. And... No matter what scenario I could think of, you know, I even thought of hang gliding. Had she been hang gliding? And but no, you wouldn't hang glide in in Ugg boots, and you'd be more dishevelled. You know, there was nothing I could think of. Yeah. But strangely enough, my brain would not go to bad men that someone purposely done this to her. And I think now I must have been so naive to think that. You know, I kept trying to think of something logical, some accident. Yeah. But nothing made sense. Nothing at all made sense. You were just trying to make, that's exactly what it is though, isn't it? You were just trying to make sense of, of a situation that you just stumbled across. Yeah. Mm. And she she had beautiful hands, um, small white hands, and I can still see them as clear as if it was yesterday. And her hands were clean. Um, so whatever had happened to her, it hadn't happened in a yard where there were horses or she hadn't come off a motorbike or 
you know, none of that seemed logical. Anything I could think of that was half logic or, you know, even bizarre things, you know, she's been riding on the back of a truck and fly off. None of that matched what I could see. So it was really difficult to work out what had happened. And, and I guess, you know, I was standing there willing her not to die right there and then while I was standing there. And uh, I just couldn't think of what could have possibly happened to her. So it was horrible. And and I kept thinking, oh, my goodness, her family, you know. This girl, she's hurt really badly. Who is she? But I couldn't recognize her. And um, her face um, was very swollen and, and quite bloodied. And I wondered whether she might have been one of my school students and that I couldn't recognize her. After Penny was taken away by ambulance, Susan waited for the police to arrive. The officer immediately called for forensics. He obviously knew that, you know, it was the work of a bad man. Miraculously, still clinging to life, Penny was rushed to hospital and for the next two weeks lay motionless, unconscious, her devastated mum, Jeanette, keeping a bedside vigil. What do you remember about that day? My son was with the policeman. I thought, oh, my God, what's happened? You know, because my husband worked on the road, driving machinery up and down the Newell Highway and whatever on the road. And, um, yeah, he told me what had happened, that they'd found her unconscious by the roadside. An ag teacher coming in to work found her by the roadside. So it must have come as a massive shock to you. A shock. Yeah, a big shock and it's always something in life you think it doesn't happen to you, it happens to other people. You never think it happens to you. What scene greeted you at the hospital? What did you see? What do you remember seeing? One of the sisters out of intensive care, she came out and explained to us and everything what it was like to prepare us before we went in. A 20-year-old woman is still in a coma more than 48 hours after being beaten and then dumped at the roadside in the New South Wales town of Kula. Police say Penny Hill was apparently abducted after visiting a local hotel on Sunday night. She'd arrived in the town only two days earlier to start work as a nanny for a Kula motel owner. When she was found by a passing motorist yesterday, she was unconscious with severe head injuries. Detectives still haven't found a motive for what they describe as a senseless attack. Penny's favourite uncle, Dennis Bateman, had travelled down from Toowoomba in Queensland to be by his sister Jeanette's side. Oh, Penny was very seriously ill. Um, She had um, extensive injuries and her face and body were bruised and battered and I wasn't confident at the time that she would survive. It was that bad, wasn't it? Mm. Very bad, yeah. What were the doctors saying? Were they preparing the family for the war? Oh, they said that she was very ill and um, they were hoping for the best, but she'd had a lot of injury to her head and brain injury and that type of thing. And if she did come out of it, it, she may not have been well mentally anyway. Mm. For 13 long days, Jeanette and her husband, Penny's devastated dad, Felix, waited patiently, their hearts breaking a little more every day that went by, 
trying to keep up hope that their only daughter would pull through. Obviously, for you now to relive that time, those days that you were waiting for Penny to recover, that must have been the most horrendous fortnight of your life. Oh, yes, it was. Yep. 13 days to be exact. A nightmare. And no one would understand what sort of a nightmare, you know, unless it happened to them. You know, you always got to have hope. Always got to have hope. So you're waiting and waiting, but... Did you talk to her? Were you talking to her? Yeah. Yeah. And I had other family members as well that came down and see her. Penny's boyfriend, Shane Williams, was also keeping a bedside vigil. And did you look at her and just think, what sort of animal could do this to a young, beautiful, 20-year-old girl? How could anybody do that to anything, anyone? Why would, why would you be violent like that? You know, I've never had any violence in my life and that's just not something I'm used to seeing. And while over the years my... I've had time to heal, I guess. It's not something I'm going to get over. Who would? How long were you there for? 13 days. Every day. One day, a visiting relative gave the family a small shred of hope. Sitting by Penny's bedside, chatting to her about the latest family news, he noticed a reaction from Penny. On the Saturday, um, when he was leaving, he, he said he spoke to her. He said, and I'm sure, he said, i seen her eyelid flicker. So maybe, they say people can hear you. So, but they can't always talk to you. But the next day, Sunday, July 21st, Penny Hill died from septicemia. And five days later, grief-stricken Jeanette and Felix buried their only daughter. Penny's uncle Dennis said the funeral was harrowing. Oh, well, any funeral is a very sombre occasion, but when a young girl of age 20 um, dies so early because of um, such a brutal um, attack, and when you go to funerals, usually celebrating a life, which people do, but she hadn't had a chance really to live her life. No. What sort of impact would you say, obviously, you know, in the wings and watching Jeanette and Felix and Andrew deal with this. How, how have they done it? Well, I think they've, they've done it courageously, but... <laughs> with a lot of his illness and that type of thing, I think Jeanette's very courageous. No one can prepare anyone. No, and really they... Um, they didn't have the opportunity to see their daughter grow up, get married and have children. They so were. it was very hard. And uh, with Felix, I don't think he really had the opportunity to... Um, he really didn't get over it. It was... He probably coped the best he could, but... He was broken. Yeah, he he was a broken man. I think 
it's not something one gets over, it's something people learn to live with, but he struggled. I went to Penny's funeral because I thought if I see anyone there that doesn't belong there from Kula, any locals, I might recognise them and, you know, be able to put two and two together. But I didn't, of course. And Jeanette took me aside and she asked me a few questions and um, she wanted, I guess she she wanted to know if Penny had suffered. And as a mother to a mother, the only thing I could say to her was, no, I don't think she did. I think it was whatever. I think they hit her very quickly. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You sit down mother and to mother and tell another mother what may have happened to her daughter. And she wanted to know whether it appeared she'd been sexually assaulted. And I could honestly say, no, it didn't appear that way. Her clothes weren't at all dishevelled. But that was so hard. That must have been so hard, Susan. My heart's breaking. That was so hard for Jeanette. Mm. It was hard enough for me, but I can't dwell on how hard it was for me because for Jeanette it would have been thousands of times harder. But she would have wanted to know. You can understand that she would have had questions that only you could have answered. And obviously she felt comfort, you know, given that you were you, you know, kind, considerate, helpful. And um, in being such a kind woman, she she would have felt that she could ask you those questions and that only a mum needed to know, you know. You can completely understand why she was asking you those questions. Oh, okay. I yeah. can totally understand, but... I feel a bit of a failure because I didn't save her. Sweet, there's nothing you could have done, Susan. You did all you could and, you know, it happened for a reason that it was you that drove past when you saw her that day. You know, as you say, Mm. some other people may well have driven past and not stopped. You saw her. It was meant to be that you saw her and that you found her and you helped her and you helped her as much as you possibly could. I mean, you kept her warm and you kept her safe, which was the most, you know, incredible gift you could have given Penny then, and you were by her side, and she wasn't alone. I guess I guess that not being alone, it was just that it was a stranger with her, you know. The murder of Jeanette and Felix's naive, trusting young daughter led to one of Australia's biggest homicide investigations with hundreds of DNA tests, several prime suspects, two inquests and multiple rewards. But 27 years later, Penny's killer still walks free and her murder has now become one of the country's most frustrating cold cases. Penny's mum, however, refuses to give up hope. You never give up hope that one day somebody, you know, will come forward or someone that knows something, it's hard not knowing. Very hard. And I never thought I would go 27 years and still not know. So, Jeanette, I'd love to hear what was Penny like? Who was Penny? Well, a fun-loving girl. All she ever wanted to do was mind children. You know, anyone she could help, you know, she was willing to help. So, yeah. And she was a little Christmas Day baby for you, wasn't she? She was. 
Yes, she was. The doctor going away at six o'clock in the morning, quarter past two, she arrived. First child, pretty special. And she was a special girl, wasn't she? Yes, that's right. Were you a close-knit family? Yes. Yes, this is only like Penny and Andrew, the two children. Yep. Five years, ten months between them and always said when Andrew was born, it's mine and Dad's baby, not your baby, Mum. (laughs) So, yeah. Sadly, Penny's dad, Felix, died several years ago. A shattered man, devastated that he never got justice for his daughter. Does it break your heart that uh, Felix passed away not knowing? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, he never got over it. You know, how do you put it? He loved kids all his life too. And he would have been, he was probably 26 when she was born. He took it very hard. She was Dad's girl and he never got over losing her. So, you know, they used to go to the football. When her brother was old enough, they both went with Dad to the football. I'd just stay home, do the gardening or whatever. I didn't always go, but they loved the football. And, yeah, he never got over it. Not at all. But it would have been nice if he'd have known before he went. And you're determined to know, aren't you? That's right. And I think in more ways than one, it'll make me keep going forever so I know. I need to know. I need to know before I'm 95, put it that way. It'd be nice to know. What bothers you the most, would you say? Is it to know who did it? It's it's not knowing. It's the unknown that you always think about. You think, how could someone do this and walk away and leave a person? How can they carry on with life and have no guilt or anything about what has happened and what they've done? And someone out there knows. So I would like them to come forward and help us solve this, to know who took away our daughter. So how had this green young woman ended up working for a rock star? Cole Bajant, former drummer with the band Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, and his wife Barbara had decided on a sea change, giving up their rock star city lifestyle for a quieter, rural ideal, running the Black Stump Motel in Coolar. They'd recently advertised in the newspapers for a nanny to look after their three young children, and Penny, who'd just finished a six-month TAFE course, decided to apply. How did she find out about the job in Kula? Was she was she working towards becoming a nanny full-time? Yeah, she did a six-months course in Tamworth through the TAFE and then she just used to watch the papers, the country life and the land 
and in the land paper she found the job. Do you remember how she felt about it? Was she... Oh, she was quite excited about the job. Yeah, really excited. And we took her there on a Friday when my husband had a um, RDO off from work because he worked on the main roads. Was she nervous? No, not really. She was quite excited about going because she was going to mind these three young children at the Black Stump Motel and they were only seven, four and one at the time. What did you think about the job? Do you remember um, what your thoughts were when she found it, that she'd be nanny to three young children? Oh, no, I was fine with it because that was what she wanted to do. So, you know, and I mean, she was 20 and a half. So, you know, she wanted to do those things. She did a lot of volunteer work and different things in Narrabri and did a bit of work at Woolworths and that sort of thing until she did the nanny's course. But she did a fair bit of volunteer work too before she got work because that's what, you know, she was always willing to help somebody do something and learning along the way as well. Sounds like a beautiful girl. Yes. It didn't take long for homicide detectives to home in on a prime suspect. When they started digging into the backgrounds of the motel staff, they hit the jackpot. The motel's restaurant cook, Bob Lee, was not only a loner and firearms enthusiast, but he also had a criminal record. We will leave it there for today. Thank you for your company. I hope you can join me next time as we delve a little further into the unsolved murder of a 20-year-old young nanny named Penny Hill. If you have any information at all to contribute to this case, please email us at tips at pacificmags.com.au. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.